I remember being trained so lovingly and profoundly by my beloved mentor, Edward Kaplan, who's still alive in the Boston area where he resides. He was a professor of Romance languages and world religions and a remarkable scholar <clears throat> of the soul and the heart and life of the human being. Professor Kaplan's wisdom is most expressed in his humanity. I use the word aspire. One aspires, one turns one's spirit, one's spiritual breath toward heaven. And then heaven answers in one's next breath to accomplish the hope of the person aspiring. <clears throat> Dr. Kaplan has been a northern star for me of that direction all of my life. We had the great privilege of speaking through FaceTime or Zoom meetings uh, several times in the last year. I first entered his classroom when I was a 20-year-old woman. And we sat at a long oval table. I've told this story many times. <clears throat> with perhaps a total of 20 students from the five college area of um, Western Massachusetts, which are comprised by Amherst College, Hampshire College, University of Massachusetts at Amherst, Mount Holyoke College, and Smith College, which I attended. <clears throat> Ed was a professor at Amherst, and he was allowed to teach one class perhaps every year on world religions. He was really a professor of Romance languages. And he's written remarkable books on Michel Foucault and um, studied in the direction of the philosophy of certain concepts in the French culture, which are another of his great aspirations. So he has a very modest and yet refined attitude about what it is to be a human being. <clears throat> he would come into the classroom and sit, and he had the rare capacity of being receptive to his students. So he would sit at the oval table and receive the presence, the living presence, the living beingness of all of us together. So he was aspiring to receive our paths, our immaturity, our anticipation of growing and becoming adults, our questions, our own aspirations of our breath, the spirit of each of ourselves, the soul and heart and life of each of ourselves, turned toward him, our professor. And so <clears throat> the first day of our class, people thought he was interesting and curious and He's, it's not that he's a man of few words, but he tends to answer the student's wisdom and ignorance with his own presence. So he had the rare capacity of meeting us with what we were ready to receive and meeting us with the directions where we needed to be shepherded. <clears throat> he didn't do this by correcting us or telling us we were foolish or guiding us in a way that was scolding. 
he was listening and looking and physically with us so that we couldn't understand him. What is he going to do next? And what he was doing next was he was receiving our next breath and then he would respond. This is a remarkable experience because Ed is a mystic. <clears throat> Ed is a rare poet of the soul who was receiving grace. And I walked into his classroom. So the first day was interesting <clears throat> and pregnant with that movement of Holy Spirit or grace, Baraka. It's given different names, the Tao in different traditions. In the martial arts of Aikido, one moves in the same way, but through physical engagement with the other person to see which master shall conquer the other or which master will move most intricately or most wisely. But if you had a real meeting between Aikido masters who had understanding there would be no winner, no loser. There would be no war. They would bow to one another and take tea or coffee or water. Or if one were infirm, the other would go to the kitchen and take a glass and fill it with apricot juice or rosehip tea and carry it to the side of the other and then sit beside him or her or them and sip together, breath to breath, soul to soul, heart to heart. This is what the path of mystic is about. It is about the blessing of life. That your spirit, your soul, heart, and life force together are a living question posed back to heaven, answered every moment of privilege that is given to you to breathe. And the mystic tries to take care of that breath in you. Ah, oh, you. You of this heart. You of these thoughts. You of this causation. Ah, oh, how shall we meet heaven here together, you and I? Breath to breath. Heart to heart. Moment to moment. Cell to cell. Soul to soul. Ah, oh, is it not a season of such questing, of such meaning, of such tradition, of such contemporary seeking, of turning toward the future for the sake of our elders, our ancestors, our colleagues, our spouses, our children, those yet to come, and so in the midst of this, the great mystery has a home in Ed Kaplan, in you, in me. What a privilege, this spirit of the mystic. So the first meeting was interesting and unexpected. It wasn't so much a linear sense of this is what we're going to do. He gave us an outline. This is in the 1970s. This is in 1974. It's 1973 for school year. So it's actually autumn 1973. <clears throat> he gave us an outline of what the class would be. And, 
And yet there was this quality of what he let us know we were doing together. And then he assigned a book. And of course, the books are assigned over the summer before the autumn semester. So people had already purchased or were renting or taking up from a library their books. And he began with a book by a woman named Evelyn Underhill, simply called Mysticism. And he simply wanted us to read the first chapter of it and come to class and then talk with him. And so, as I've said many times in lectures, I walked into that classroom the next week and sat down. It was a three-hour seminar. <clears throat> he sat down with us, and he was very quiet and looked around the room and had his cup of whatever he was drinking and uh, sitting on the table. And he was such a strong and yet supple, romantic figure, sentimental. I mean, that romantic, like the romantic era sentimental figure of the arts and of academia and the goodness of the human life. And he asked us a question about a certain statement in the book. <clears throat> and I remember the faces of my classmates, men and women, turning to him, trying to read the brilliance of his mind, which many adept students are able to do. What, what does the teacher want me to say? What is the, where is the professor leading us? <clears throat> what does the scientist want this to be derived as? How shall we have the press move with this story? And so a figure who is projecting or translating to have power and greed in the world will have a very quick mental answer, a strong personality, complicated aura, intense emotions, whether they're real or they're just affected, and a physical movement that accompanies that. <clears throat> that being is slightly holding their breath and saying, I'm here, you know, I'm here. I answered the professor, I think he liked it. Or I'm here, I don't really know what to do because I'm such a victim, it's so hard for me with everyone, but I'll try to answer you, professor. And so, most of us as human beings learn that on that stage of life, if we are part of that play of the human ego, we go from scar to scar or history to the present moment to accrue power and status and value in terms of money and survival against an enemy. <clears throat> we are constantly not in a keto, your energy and mine meeting, bowing to one another, but in a fight to the death. Who shall lose and who shall win? So many brilliant young students try to be smarter than their professor and think, oh, he was so pleased by the answer that I created for him. Maybe I'll get a good grade and my parents will be happy or I'll get a great scholarship or a job. <clears throat> but Professor Kaplan wasn't sitting in that posture in that classroom, this beautiful building on the Amherst campus. Actually, it's literally one and a half blocks from the home of Emily Dickinson, the poetess, right in the main area of the city, of the little town. <clears throat> and so sitting in this early autumn afternoon, the second week, there was a quiet astonishment in the students because he didn't ask an 
academic question. He asked a question about a statement that was simply very mysterious, filled with the mystery of heaven. <clears throat> he asked, what does this mean? What do you all think of this statement? And the class was silent. People couldn't read his face. They, I remember several people turning to each other like they didn't know what to do. And there was a presence of that conversation among the students and the anticipation in the spirit of my teacher. He was waiting for God. He was waiting for heaven. He was with God. He was with heaven. He was breathing. His aspiration half a century later is being spoken of in this recording. His aspiration was that the mystic in each of us be born. The soul of heaven on earth, that each of us, a girl, a boy, a person, so safely held in Ed's soul, heart, and mind, be born that day at the oval seminar table of his classroom. The class was called Mysticism and the Moral Life. In the most recent conversation I had with Ed several months ago, he stated to me that that class was one of the high points of his life. He loved that class. And so he asked the question, and I remember him then saying, anyone, does anyone have a response about this question? And I looked down, and then I answered him across the table. And everyone became very silent. And I remember thinking, what did I just do? It's just so evident. How is it not evident? <clears throat> and he asked me, how did you see that? How did you know that? And I said, well, it's just right here. It is just right in Evelyn Underhill, her breath, her pen as she wrote that, or typewriter as she wrote it long ago, her, her virtue, her aspiration, exemplified by her life, expressed in her writing, and then received by my professor and then by my classmates and me. So it is important that one is never afraid from the very center of the spiritual heart and the breath one has to aspire in that next moment to embody heaven on earth as Evelyn Underhill did, as Edward Kaplan has done, as I pray and practice to the best of my ability every breath every moment, every day, each of us just a modest human being. Underhill is the first woman to be given a professorship at either Oxford or Cambridge. I, I'm not intelligent enough to remember which one, but at one of those two schools, first woman. Wasn't a scientist, it wasn't a painter or a sculptor or a philosopher or a writer of novels or a chemist 
It was a woman mystic. It's so interesting to me. Just as in the English language, the first woman to write a book in the English language is the mystic Julian of Norwich. What is it that meets in oneself between heaven and earth every breath? Well, that would be your signature. And when your signature is true and pure, it is without violence toward anyone. It is practicing embodying the aspiration toward who you are in heaven on earth. Beyond all weapons, beyond all hatred, beyond all power, yet serving the power that is oneness from God in all beings and in everything. So when Underhill wrote her book, or Dr. Kaplan taught us his beautiful class, they were each representing this seed of the flowers of heaven, the fields of the Lord. And on this day, we are speaking of that same field of the Lord everywhere upon this earth, each continent, Africa, Antarctica, South America, Asia, Europe, North America. May the breath of every human being blossom the signature of the mystic of every human being find its safe passage to the aspirations of Dr. Kaplan and of you and of me. As a boy, <clears throat> he would accompany his father and have remarkable experiences with people like A.J. Musty, who was a peacemaker and the first pacifist recorded in American modern uh, warfare. Musty refused to fight in <clears throat> the First World War and became a profound speaker and writer on the subject of peace on earth. And Howard Thurman, the remarkable African-American mystic, theologian, minister, philosopher, was very close to Ed and he has talked to me about what it was to go to Thurman's home or to be at a home where Thurman was invited. And the intimate experiences where Ed, beside his father, received the aspirations of Thurman, which he then passed on to me and to you. Who is Howard Thurman? Who is Evelyn Underhill? Who is Edward Kaplan? Who are you? Who am I? The courage to face that direction was so present in Ed's classroom. Astonishing, brilliant. We were receiving God. We were receiving the presence of Ed's question. And he sat until it moved through one of us. I remember a young man from Amherst talking one day and 
going over ideas and then onto another idea, and risking the vulnerability of seeking through his brilliant mind the quest, the heroic quest of the person beyond weapons, safely in Dr. Kaplan's classroom. Remarkable. This classroom of the mystic is one of the rarest temples I have found on the earth. If you go out into nature and you have the courage and love for God or heaven or the universe, however you want to name Allah, Yahweh, Tat, you turn and say Satnam or Om Nimah Shavaya or Our Father who art in heaven or you're facing a holy of holies beyond which you can say anything, or you turn and call upon God as the omnipotent, the all-merciful, inshallah. And you face a direction where you are allowing yourself to be created of that beyond your mental understanding, yet including your mind as a as a channel or your mind as a screen or your mind as a place of safely shepherding. But you are not your mind. Your mind is an implement or tool of that vast and yet humble resonance that is you. So in this season, allow yourself permission to turn inwards toward that direction of your aspirations, breath by breath, moment by moment, season by season, realizing, oh, I am following the breath of Dr. Kaplan. I am following the breath of Howard Thurman. I am following the breath of A.J. Musty. I am following the breath of Musty's family and Thurman's. I am following the breath of Evelyn Underhill. And when you feel that there is a space out there which is called the void, I can't feel something beyond Underhill, beyond Dr. Kaplan. I'm aware, right, you are entering the place where the God who created each of them and you is beginning to answer you. Let the divine answer you through your next breath, your next moment, every cell of your incarnation, until you yourself become the instrument on earth of heaven. <laughs>